so excited to introduce our special guest today, Julie Bieland, who is a psychotherapist and author of multiple books and the founder of an amazing online resource called Sensitive Empowerment. Julie has helped thousands of highly sensitive people around the world reduce their challenges, access their gifts, and discover a sense of calm, inner strength, and resiliency to transform into living their best lives. Thank you so much, Julie, for joining us. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you, Bevin. I am really excited to be here. As always, this is my favorite subject to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, let's dive right in. You know, there may be people in our audience who are new to the trait of sensitivity, and we would just love to have you introduce that to tell us a little bit more. It's actually called sensory processing sensitivity, is my understanding. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means? Yes, that's the sensory processing sensitivity is the scientific name for it. And it's kind of known as the highly sensitive person, or you'll hear me refer to it as HSP for short. Um, So it's a trait that not a disorder that is found in about 20% of the population. And it's really an incredible trait, just filled with so many gifts. Um, but we happen to have very sensitive nervous systems, as an example, and some brain differences. Um, and it's actually found equally amongst genders. And uh, about 70% of us, they think, are introverts and 30% extroverts. So it's actually not the same thing as introversion. And there's just so much to learn about this trait, and it's incredible if there's uh, there's some self-tests you can take. And also um, it's just such an important thing to understand about yourself. And it's very transforming to learn because you do experience the world differently than 80% of the population. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. I remember finding out that I was highly sensitive um, about seven years ago. And then I just went, oh yeah, this explains everything about (laughs) who I've been and why I was confused about why I didn't always fit into the world. Yeah, absolutely. So sometimes sensitive people can be a little bit challenged because when you're saying that we're like 20% and 80% of the world is maybe moderately sensitive or less um, sensitive, um, what does that mean? Like, how does that show up for a lot of sensitive people before they really understand uh, that they have this trade and there are ways to, to navigate the world that work for them? Yeah, it shows up in so many levels. I mean, there's actual physical things that we experience in terms of just having overstimulation a lot. Because if we think about how things are set up in the world, most of it is set up for the 80% and their level of you know, ability to have certain levels of stimulation. And so our levels, we're so sensitive. We take in so many details. And I, I love kind of thinking of it as if you think of the nervous system as being like a container and think about how much goes into that container, into that nervous system. If you think about it in cups, I like to look at things quite simply and, how, you know, to try to understand it. And Uh, Say somebody that without this trait might just have a few cups dumped into their nervous system at any time, but somebody with this trait who's very sensitive can have a hundred cups dumped into this nervous system and the body and the brain have to process all the things that go into that. And if it's too overloaded, it's going to impact us in so many ways because we need a lot of extra brain processing time. We're taking in a lot of details. You know, some of the gifts of it are just thinking about we can 
we can actually read micro expressions and energies and body language that up to 80% of the population miss. So we're really taking in a lot of details. And so we have to process those details, but a lot of times how modern world is set up, you know, we've got long hours at work and commutes and just stimulation of traffic and going into a store. And I mean, all of that is a lot. And also if you think about um, sensitivity, it is even on a scale. So there's some people that are very high up on the scale, like me, I'm way up there at the top. So I totally understand overstimulation and overwhelm that can show up in emotional, um, kind of reactions a lot. If we're getting, if our nervous system is very full and we haven't had enough downtime to process everything that's in there, um, we can lose focus and efficiency. We can, um, we can get angry easily. We can, you know, sort of lose control of our emotions. I call it having emotional meltdowns that can lead to shame. Um, and, and a lot of people who don't totally fully understand this trait, are recognizing that they're experiencing things differently than most people around them. And for a lot of people that gets put into a category of feeling like something's wrong with you. And I know I lived that way for a long time. And so many of us that have learned about this trait, it's just, it's transforming because suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, there's other people that experience the world like I do. And maybe there isn't something wrong with me. And I'm here to say there isn't something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. That these reasons, there's a reason why we want to have this this uh, population of people that it's actually part of a survival strategy of the population to have a group of people that can have this extra information and think about how we it could have been like when we lived in the tribes for example and we had we were we were the healers and the guides and the teachers and the creators and the artists we are that now and uh, being able to find that balance of the nervous system helps you really bring out those gifts mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember it just made such a difference for me to realize, wow, like one in four people is like me as well. <laughs> and there wasn't anything wrong with me that the fact that I needed to think for a longer period of time or that I needed to go home and rest more often. Um, that was just such a revelation to realize that it's okay to take care of myself. You know, and I know this is something that you talk about a lot, especially in your, your sensitive empowerment communities, how to do that self-care. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that looks like? You talked about downtime and managing overstimulation. Can you kind of go a little further into that piece? Yes, it's so incredible. I I wish I could just transmute everything that people say about what happens to you when you start really finding the right balance for you. So we're we're really recommending uh, at least a minimum of two hours a day of, I recommend being alone, doing meditative work, being in nature. These are things that are incredibly healthy for us. It really helps to give you that time to process what's in that nervous system to be able to restore and having a a full day off. And and when I say this, I mean no chores. You're not doing your to-do list. You're actually having quiet downtime. I mean, if you think about when's the last time you spent a whole day in nature, for example, and how did that make you feel? It's incredible. You get connected to yourself again. It's just it's so important and it's really interesting that we know based on research too and i've seen this in my own children even who are who are sensitive and at this at this time are um, older teenagers 
but they, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, how when they were young, there was a lot of overstimulation issues when they were in groups and crowds. And now watching my oldest, who's a senior in high school, I was just talking to him the other day and I was like, wow, you have, you just really amazed me. Like the, the level of emotional maturity is so high in sensitive children. And if you, if they get the right kind of support when they're little, they actually will be less likely to have anxiety and depression, whereas the opposite is true. If you don't get the right kind of support as a sensitive child, you're more likely to have anxiety and depression. And so these children who are getting the right kind of support are really thriving, just blooming in the world. And it's amazing that their, their capacity, what they can do in the world. And yeah, in my sensitive empowerment community, it's like, what happened is when I started teaching courses and things like that, I, I recognized how empowering, how profound it was for HSPs to be together, for sensitive people to be together. It, because you start having this awareness of like, wow, you know, this is really, we do live in a, in a really similar way and we need to be around people that live that way. And we, we give each other, you know, information about what works for us. And just that validation and normalization is so profoundly huge for a sensitive person to have. And, uh, it's, and we focus a lot on how do we manage the overstimulation of our nervous systems? Cause if we can find a way to, to live that balance, it's incredible what is possible. And that's my goal in the world is like, it's to just kind of, I see this as a space, almost like a nest, a home for the fact that if you can empower a sensitive person, they go out and make the world a better place. That's absolutely what they do. They're going out, starting nonprofits, they're going out and um, helping others and volunteering and, and educating other sensitive people and helping them. And that's just, who we are as as a population of people and, and one of the big reasons why we're so needed in the world. And I absolutely know that some of the best artists and creators and innovators are sensitive people with these this extra information that we have. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's been a part of my own journey. And and the first thing that I did when I found out being about being an HSP was I created a meetup group, which was really out of my comfort zone. And I invited people to come to my home and and I started gathering the circle of other HSPs and just what that meant to us to be able to connect with other people and community. And obviously now being online, there's so many opportunities to connect with people from across the globe. That's how you and I actually got connected. Um, and it's just amazing to know that there are other people. And, and you touched upon like our strengths. You touched upon being conscientious and being in service. And, you know, what are some of the the strengths of this, because of course we, you know, we all have challenges, but you know, there are so many things that we bring to the table as HSPs. Um, can you tell us a little bit more and share about that? Yeah. I mean, I know that HSPs are some of the kindest, <clears throat> most compassionate people that exist in the world. I mean, there, we are the ones that go out and, 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 and really go out and help people that need it. If you see somebody out there that needs help and somebody jumps up and does it, a lot of times it's an HSP who does that. And it, it, there's just, there's so much, um, I, I even have this, you know, this dream, this vision that companies start recognizing the benefits of sensitive people, that they give more time, you know, to work from home so that you can balance some of the stimulation of being out in the world, but also, you know, be very dedicated and focused. And 
HSPs want to do really well. They want to do their best the first time and they work really hard at it. And even in the research, it's showing that supervisors are rating HSPs as some of the highest um, employees in, in, in what they're doing and, and helping, but they're also, you know, impacted by the levels of stress and stimulation. So if we can find that balance from, you know, avoiding commutes, changing your work hours, talking to your boss, I, I do a lot of advocacy work for HSPs because if you can change something, even if it's like the fluorescent lighting above your desk, <laughs> you know, that can impact a sensitive person. And and to be able to advocate for your needs. Sensitive people tend to go out of their way to help people, but often so much so to the detriment of themselves. So really kind of learning how to make sure that you're taking, I was, I talk about things in terms of like a raft on a river, take care of your own raft before you're pulling everybody into your raft, but you've got to take care of yourself. And I always find it fascinating that this group of people who are the most compassionate for others often lack self-compassion until they really worked on it. I, I was the same way. I did not have self-compassion and I was really hard on myself. And I think that comes from this, this innate part of us that wants to do so well that we tend to have an issue with perfection too and have really high standards for ourselves. So when we can find all that balance, there's just, there's so many gifts to, to share. We have more activation in the insula part of our brain, for example, that is the seat of awareness, your level of awareness and what you know is so high. And I know a lot of people listening are probably nodding to about this because you know, you're the ones that know what's going on. You, you can sense what's happening. You can read those body language and expressions and, and put together all those details. You just need an extra time to do it and, and not be forced into the cookie cutter part of modern world that's at this you know really fast-paced um, environment so if you can work on those things the gifts are incredible like some of the best I mean if we were to look I, I think it'd be really interesting to do research at some of the really highest levels of um, people in their careers leaders artists healers I would very much guess that many of them are sensitive people because they're just so much even as a therapist, I think that there's things that I know about my clients before they even know it. You know, there's just a knowing and that's an incredible thing. If you can harness those things mm -hmm. and take care of yourself, you can make an excellent leader, artist, healer, all of it. I'm sure you know that, right? You're, a, you're an excellent leader yourself. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. And that's been a long journey for me. And it continues on and even continued this morning. Um, just you know, being able to go into that meditative space and have that calm downtime and, and make sure that you're receiving as much as you're giving, you know, and there's an equal balance there and you're really making that self-care and choosing your environments and the people you're around and, and developing that into something that's nurturing and uplifting for you. I think in my past, I just sort of fell into things. I was like, oh yeah, I'll go work there or yeah, I'll be friends with this person. And I didn't really consciously do that. And so I think what I hear you talking about, Julie, is making that change where you're actually paying attention. Like I feel like we have to be just a little bit more conscious and a little bit more aware of um, the choices we're making in order to really thrive and have vitality and not be overwhelmed. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of people say, you know, I don't have time to take the downtime or I don't have time to take those two hours or that day off. 
but I always challenge people to try it. Try it for a week or two, and you're gonna see that your energy levels increase, your focus increases, your, your access to your gifts increase, and you are meant for that in the world. You are meant to release those gifts and to share those gifts. And it, it is not a, a positive to always overgive so much to the point that you're depleted. And in fact, that's unhealthy in, in relationships. To, to find that give and take balance is so incredible. It really is um, part of helping you fly in the world and you're needed in the world to your sensitivity, your the gifts of your sensitivity are absolutely needed in the world. And um, like you were saying, it's if you can find that balance, I mean, I was somebody like that too, just always overwhelmed, overstimulated. It's like, how soon can I get into my bedroom and close the door and cut off the world? And and that's not a, uh, that's survival mode. Yeah. That's just trying to get through the day. We lose access to creativity when we're in that space. And one of the most exciting things to me when I'm working with HSPs is like, when I start hearing them talk about their, their creative side coming back, I, I call that brain space because mm -hmm. if we're really overloaded and overwhelmed all the time, you lose that some of that brain space. And as soon as the creativity side starts to come back, that's a very good sign. Mm -hmm. And and for HSPs, you know, if you think about, I like to think about it kind of in a simple way of two parts of the brain, the cognitive brain and the emotional brain. Um, and when the emotional brain is too overstimulated, too overactive, which often happens for HSPs, the cognitive brain kind of goes to sleep. And that's why we lose a lot of the, everything that we need in the cognitive brain to focus in facts. And we can end up ruminating and worrying and anxious and panic attacks. And we see a lot of that kind of stuff in this environment, in this population, as well as chronic health conditions. Because if we're constantly releasing adrenaline and going into that fight, flight, freeze system, we're impacting our health in a lot of ways. And I see a lot of health conditions in this population. But as soon as you start finding that balance and learning how what you need, not what everybody else needs, but what you need to be your best, then your health improves, your cognitive brain ability gets back online and that can support the emotional stuff. Yeah. So if you get really emotional about something and your cognitive brain is asleep, you're, it's very difficult. But if you can keep that cognitive brain turned back on again, I'm very into like the brain training part of it too, because that really helped me and and, and the HSPs I've worked with, that you can, it's it's amazing that you can, you can actually do whatever you need to do. You can get through it no matter how hard it is. And that's really a helpful thing as well as working on developing self-compassion. That's a huge one. I call that protective armor for the, for the HSP to have self-compassion. Because if you make a mistake and you're really hard on yourself, you you're suffering even more but if instead you can embrace self-compassion and learn what you need and create these templates in life that work for you you can get through anything no matter how hard it is yeah 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 i love what you're bringing it's like when people say i don't have time to do this self-care it's like you have to slow down in order to speed up if that makes sense like you <laughs> you have to you have to make that the centerpiece of your life in order for everything else to work and to unfold. And I can say personally that I made a decision about five years ago to pretty much stop watching TV. I do watch some movies here and there. And what that did was it opened up this creative flow that you're talking about. And um, I really got into writing 
and and teaching and so that really changed everything for me because you know and i'm not telling people to do that but there's just a lot of stimulation that comes from tv uh, depending on what you're watching um, and other media and so having that downtime from that was really a game changer and really making that self-care um, a way of life for me and that and i made some different choices you know, you, you decide, I decided to leave like a, a corporate job where I had to be at work at 630 in the morning because that didn't work for me. And it was scary to do some of those choices. But now um, I feel so much better. I feel so much different. And I think that's really what you're talking about here. Wow, good for you. Absolutely. Because you're talking about being conscious of what input you're, you're taking in as a sensitive person. And I, I absolutely think that we have to watch out for that because they're, you know, like <clears throat> even the news is very negatively skewed there. I mean, because the brain has a negativity bias. So much of the media and news tends to be very negative, but there's a lot of wonderful things happening in the world too. And that's not as shown because it takes like about five positives just to neutralize one negative. Right. So that's something to think about when you're, what you're taking in, definitely um, cutting down on negative stuff, negative input from news, media, TV, people, <laughs> also with people. And to start having those kind of healthy boundaries about really honoring your, your sensitive way of being. And I think that's so, that shows a lot of, I, I, I would share that as a, as a sensitive empowerment win uh, you know, that would be an example of what I would share. What you said is that you're making a choice, noticing that that watching TV and, and taking in all that negative was impacting you. And now you created this whole extra part of brain space that you can use for writing and, and leading. And, and, and like that you were saying, like slow down so you can speed up. I think in a sense, and that's really a neat way of putting it because I think of the nervous system as being like a motor. And if the motor is turned up too high, you're sort of out of control. You know, it's like a bullet train. You don't, you don't even know where you're going or where you want to go. So if you can slow down, that's how you get clear about, wow, you know, what are my gifts that I want to share with the world? And how do I find them? And how do I nurture them so that they can be released? And you can only do that when you slow down. So what a great example of that that you've shared. Mm -hmm. And I get a sense that you created the sensitive empowerment community to bring more of that positive into the world, to share some really uplifting things. Can you tell us more about the community, what that's been like, what experiences people are having in there? Yeah, it's, oh, it's just comes from my heart. It's just the most beautiful thing. Um, it was created after I did a course with the shift network, in fact, and it's just so like, we were, we felt so connected and it, and every time a course ends, it, it's sad that we're going to separate. So I wanted to create this community and I've been having speakers come in every week about talking about different subjects. We have a naturopathic doctor and every, all of my speakers are HSPs, mm -hmm. which I absolutely love. We have an herbalist and we have, um, there's just so many great things. We've done meditations and I do a lot of uh, self-care reminders and tips to thrive. Like how do we thrive as sensitive people? And the, the whole combination of that is that um, you, you know, and it, it's, it's really bringing in some very wonderful teachers and leaders who are HSPs. And I always tell them, I'm like, share what you're passionate about. So mm -hmm. sometimes they'll ask me, what do you think I should share? And I say, what are you passionate about? And what do you want think HSPs need to learn? And that has really, 
birthed out many beautiful um, events. And so I always record everything and I love that, um, that it's available for anybody to come and you know, just share. And, and I love when they share wins to be able to say, like, we celebrate if you took a nap. <laughs> we celebrate if you learned how to say no when you needed to say no because it honored what you needed. We And, and I love hearing the stories of people coming back and going, oh my gosh, you know, I actually did this for myself or I went to this event and I, I left early because I needed to or I said no to an event that I didn't want to go to or I was able to practice more self-compassion and be, you know, kinder to myself and and what's happening is people are saying to me, and there's people, you know, all all ages from all over the world. Um, I, I've had people in their 80s tell me that this is the first time they've ever loved themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, how profound is that? And then they come back and share all the things that they're doing. They start going out and doing meetups or, you know, for HSPs or teaching HSPs, coaching them. We, we've got a referral list because I really want... Um, sensitive people to have HSP, mental health providers, doctors, healers, coaches. It's, it's beautiful. It's a really, it's a community. It's a home. And, and we deserve that because like I said, if we're walking around as a 20%, we're used to being so different, but to be in a space where you're really similar, uh, it's, it's beautiful and, and just transforming. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for doing that. That's just an an amazing calling on your part and leadership on your part to bring people together to connect and to really start to honor and celebrate. I tell myself and my clients, like when I do something differently, I'm like, yay, you did better. (laughs) You know, and it's so important to celebrate those uh, small wins that we have. And, And over time, each of those small things that we do add up to something much, much greater. Yeah, absolutely. And you probably see that in your population too. It's like when, if you can help an HSP be balanced in the world and, and to learn how to regulate that sensitive nervous system, wow, the, the stuff that they're capable of and what happens, it, it really excites me. And I mean, I'm really picturing big vision stuff like getting HSPs into, um, you know, into lawmaking, into innovating, into creating things that work for the sensitive changing the way things are done in companies to be able to really harness these gifts, all kinds of things. And parents, like when parents are learning about this trait, it excites me so much because then I know these, like I think about my sons and I am so grateful that I knew about this trait and I could help support them as a sensitive person, you know, so that they, like they don't have anxiety and depression. And it's really such a gift that you can give your children it's a gift that you give your family your partners your everybody in your life if you if you take care of yourself the, the everybody around you benefits and the world benefits i mean when you agree with that it's like it's not a selfish thing to do self-care and i know a lot of hsps talk about that but when you're when you walk into the room full of life your family benefits from that and you know if you're barely getting through the day your family suffers so when you make that choice to do self-care and take care of your needs you radiate energy that spreads and it's it's something that's contagious in both directions isn't it 
Yes, it is. And you're just an amazing example of that, Julie, because as you walk to this journey and made self-care, you know, the centerpiece of your life, now you can you can hear directly like you're visionary, you're creative, you're developing these things, you're leading, and you're not doing it from a place of depletion or being drained. It just energizes you. And that's a whole different way of life. There is a whole different way of life possible. Wow, so true. I mean, it is really true. I, I, because I, I think I get so passionate about this because I absolutely know what it's like to suffer, mm-hmm. because I used to suffer. I used to suffer a lot, and and I know that it takes a lot of work, especially as those of us that are really high up there on the sensitivity scale. Mm-hmm. It does take a lot of consistency to stay balanced, and but the more you're paying attention to it, you get. I like to, this concept of creating life templates that you learn. So I. Like if you've attended a big family function and you fell apart during that function or you got sick afterwards because you were so depleted or you had an argument with your partner, something happened, went wrong, learn from that. Don't be hard on yourself about that. Learn from it and go, you know what? Maybe I could have done this differently. Maybe I could have come a little later or or left a little earlier or I could take a break during the event and, and take care of my needs. I mean, even doing simple breathing techniques can really soothe the the nervous system and the brain and and i find it so fascinating how you can intentionally do things that activate calming centers in your brain that will deactivate stress centers because they can't be activated at the same time and that excites me because i i needed that too in life and to be able to share that now with others that come back and share it's like oh i did your breathing technique before i went and did this this speech i had to do and i I had never, it never went so well before, you know, just, it's like, it excites me to think about HSPs getting empowered in the world, right? Sensitive empowerment and what that means and, and how the world can really, there could be a paradigm shift. And I believe in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. And this kind of brings us to several of the books that you've written, which I know that you have a special offer for everyone who's listening today. Can you tell us a little bit more about your books and uh, we'll direct um, everyone to the website where they can take advantage of that? Yes, you can go to uh, sensitiveconnection.com and I'm offering 10% off for the listeners today using a special promo code. And that, that code is SHIFT with the numbers 10, one zero. Um, and you, it, it's for any of my books, so you can check them out uh, and on my website. And there's, I have um, put, a, you know, everything that I've learned about this trait and what I know works. And it kind of started out with what I practiced on myself, even before I was a therapist. And then I started practicing on my clients. I was like, wow, this is working. It worked on me, now it's working on them. Then I started writing about it and it worked in the books and I get to hear from readers and I love hearing from readers. That's, that's really exciting too when somebody says that something that um, I talked about really changed their life or helped them. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to share that with the world too. So you can check out all the books. I have a guide that you can give your doctor as well about the trait, which I think is very important. And you can find all of that on my website. Excellent. And I love your book on brain training. It was really um, instrumental for me to to start to look at how you can change those neural pathways. So thank you for sharing all of the wisdom and insight that you you've developed over these years with everyone out there. And, you know, we're kind of getting to the end of our conversation, although you and I could probably go on forever. (laughs) This is one of our favorite things to talk about. But um, I would love if you just have 
you know, one important message that you'd like to leave everyone who's listening today with, what would that be? Uh, I think it would be that I, I really want you to know as a sensitive person how needed you are in the world, how wonderful the world can be when you're taking care of yourselves in the right ways and that there's a lot of support out there for you. There's a lot of information now about the trait. There's a lot of information about how to help you really thrive and be centered. And you are so needed. You're so beautiful in the world. And I'm, I'm really happy that you're in it. And I just really want you to commit to taking care of yourself, to learning about this trait, doing everything you can to thrive because you have so many gifts inside of you. Really think through what are those things that are you passionate about in the world? And it gives you a chance to go start creating those goals and go do those things because we need you to be in that centered space in the world so that you can thrive and fly and, and help others too. So that's probably the message I would give just so that you know that you're needed in the world. And that's a message that just touches my heart. Thank you so much, Julie, for just being who you are, your amazing self, <laughs> for bringing this forward, for your courage and, and really walking your own journey and then sharing this with so many others. I know you've worked with thousands of people and, and just the advocacy that you bring forward. It's just such a pleasure to know you and to feature you as a special speaker today. And um, yeah, I'm so excited that people will really gain so much from our conversation about what it means to be a highly sensitive person, how to take care of yourself, that you're not alone. <laughs> there are many people who experience the world this way and that you can seek out, you know, community of other like-minded souls and get connected and, and really learn how to thrive and fly, as you said. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Bevan. You are so wonderful and I'm happy that you're in the world too, because I know you're doing wonderful things too. So thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who tuned in today. We hope that you received some really deep value from our conversation. And we look forward to connecting with you on 